talking about humility and honor, the doorposts into the presence of God. So if you want to see God, that's awesome. You can see God, but you have to come through the door, and the doorposts into the presence of God are humility and honor. That's what ushers people into the very presence of God. And it's so interesting to me as I've been kind of digging around in this for the last couple of weeks and even longer than that, that in Scripture, humility and honor always are found in the very same space. So because you think they're separate. You think humility is, you know, bowing down and, and getting low and honor is all about being exalted and being high. And you think those are two different things, but they're always in the same little space in Scripture. And even what Chris just read from Revelation, there they were again. And I saw one standing there, a lamb as if it had been slain. And the reason it looked as if it had been slain is because it had been slain. And so in the midst of all this thunder and lightning and this rainbow of beautiful emerald and these gem-like colors and all of this, you know, unfathomable glory in the middle of all of it, in the center, in the very center of all of it was a lamb. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And John said, and he, it, the lamb looked like it had been slain. And so all around are elders falling down, crowns are coming down, praises going up, angels by the, the tens of thousands are entering into this song. There's a, there's a loud acclamation of Jesus, and he's standing in the middle of all this glory that we can only barely taste tonight and in the house tonight as we're sort of creeping up to the door of that glory, kind of trying to peer through humanity into eternity. I can feel it in the house tonight. So what must it be like to really be in that space? And in the middle of it all tonight is standing, not kneeling, not bowing, but standing in the middle of it all at the place of highest honor. You cannot get any more honor than what is in the center of that throne that's being encircled by an ending worship. There is no more honor than that. And at that place is a lamb who was slain in the greatest act of humility that's ever happened, ever, in eternity, Christ emptied himself and he came down for you. He humbled himself for God and for you. I wish we had time tonight that we could go out of the macro and into the personal. <laughs> and we could just deliver that message for every person in the building. Because it wasn't for a house full that he did it. It wasn't for a city full that he did it. It wasn't for a nation full or a continent full or a generation full. It was for you that he did that. Christ emptied himself. That lamb that 
looks like he was slain because he was slain. When, when we see him, he's going to say, it was for God, but it was also not for you, but he's going to say, and it was also for you that I did that. Your life is of such value to God. Your life, not even the rest of the people on your road, that he would empty himself, humble himself, step all the way out of greatness so that you could know how prized you are, how loved you are, how treasured and sought after you are by that one who's standing right now. He's standing right now in the highest honor. The one who is the most humble is in the highest honor for you and for the love of his Father. So that's humility and honor, and that's, that's the culture of the kingdom. That's the culture of the church, and it's the culture of the heart of the followers of God. And if there's anything we've got to come around as people individually, collectively, personally, and as a church, it's wanting to get our teeth into what it means to be humble and what it means to live knowing that we are honored and that because of that, we can give honor in a world where people are so longing to know that their lives matter and that their lives count. Uh, last week, we, uh, we started with this idea that um, honor is what we want, but humility is the way to get there. And we looked at a passage. If you have your scripture tonight, I just want to touch back on that passage just for a second. It's 1 Peter chapter 5. And um, in this verse, there's a great principle happening. And that principle is one that you and I can't, can't escape. We can't get around tonight. It's pretty powerful. And this is what it says. Well, we read the whole uh, text last week, but we're just going to jump into verse 6 tonight. 1 Peter 5, verse 6. Just kind of backing up, catching humility, and then letting that sort of domino over for us um, into honor tonight. So here's verse 6. It says this. It says, humble yourselves. Therefore, and the therefore obviously would be a good thing to pick back up on, but we did that last week, so I'm just going to assume that you either got the therefore or you can go back and pick up the therefore. But humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Another translation says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he might exalt you at the proper time. So right there in one little tiny verse of scripture are two ideas. We humble ourselves and God lifts us up and honors us. We bow down under his greatness, his power, and who he is once we get a glimpse of that. And then he lifts us up and honors us in that moment. And we talked about last week, the only way to really get into humility is to have a glimpse of God. It's not sort of like something you beat yourself up over. You don't sort of go, I need to be more humble. People have told me I'm a little arrogant, or maybe I have a little bit of pride, and so I've got to work that out of me and sort of rein all that in and kind of work on my character. No, you don't get humility by going through like a character reevaluation process. You get humility by just getting a glimpse of God. That's how humility comes. And when you get just a little glimpse, it resizes and right-sizes us in a heartbeat, and it puts us in the right perspective. And so proud people are people who just are seeing themselves. So you know right away, just by the way somebody carries themselves, whether they've spent more time looking at them or whether they've spent more time looking at God. 
I mean, you can just tell when somebody walks in the room, whether they've spent more time looking at themselves or whether they've spent more time looking into the face of God. And we talked about just to catch up again, how when we look at ourselves, sometimes it's like, look what I've done and look what I've made of myself and look how I've done this and I've done that. And that kind of leads us to that kind of pride. And sometimes if we spend too much looking at ourselves, we feel like we're weak and like we're broken and like maybe we were looked over and like maybe we don't have enough and we don't have what it takes or maybe we've heard lies all of our lives and those lies have wrapped us up and bound us up and said that we can't do things and we'll never amount to much and we'll never really break free in areas of our lives. And so we look at that and that sort of led us over here to this sort of you know woe is me and in either case it's just a focus is on me and once that focus changes I change and I have something different to offer to the world uh, our team a few of us went out to Vancouver a few months ago before Passion Vancouver and uh, Delta had kind of threw us a curveball shocking and uh, flight didn't go off the way it was supposed to, and uh, that's just from people who travel a lot. So those of you who stay home a lot, uh, but those who travel a lot, that was just for you. And um, we ended up not going to, I think we were going to Minneapolis and then to Vancouver, because you can't go to, uh, apparently, to Vancouver from here um, on Delta, but we were going to go to Minneapolis. That didn't work out, so they said, we can get you to Portland, but that's as far as we can get you tonight. We said, we'll go to Portland. So off we went to Portland, landed in Portland. It's fantastic. It was like, you know, 9.30 at night, so we had a wonderful 45 minutes in Portland and a dinner out on the town. It was really great. We, we loved it. Our team did. Uh, found a donut place that's open all night long. A crazy place, Voodoo Donuts. I know that sounds kind of bad and scary, and it is kind of bad and scary, but the donuts were out of this world, and um, is that what the name of it was? I want to say that's what it was called, yeah, and so we hung out uh, down there, had dinner, but that was just an excuse to have the donuts later, and then we woke up the next morning, and Air Canada was going to take us on to Vancouver. A little shout out for Air Canada, that's kind of interesting. Um, nothing for Delta, but we got at least a little something for Air Canada, that was interesting. So we got on one of these uh, propeller, you know, deals. I'm thinking, I, I thought that went out, you know, like in the late 80s, but apparently not, you know. And um, so we got on one of those guys, you know what I'm talking about? Two, two and two, no first, no business, just we're all on there, you know, it's wedged in and uh, it's all happening in pretty close quarters. And Brad and I are in the front row, bulkhead. I'm next to the window and he's next to me by the aisle and we take off and it's a low-lying cloud cover coming out of Portland, as you would expect in Oregon. Uh, but once you got above it, um, all the high mountain peaks were popped up above the clouds and then the clouds sort of broke open in places and you could see little spotty clouds here and there. And so we take off and, you know, the, the flight attendant does the little thing about what you do and in case of emergency and all that. And then we kind of get going up in the air and the pilot comes on and says, you can get up and move about the cabin. Good luck doing that. But, you know, if you want to do that, you can do that and you can use your computer or whatever. And I'm looking out the window, which is, you know, this big acrylic, you know, plastic window, double paned, and I'm looking out, and all of a sudden, Mount Hood is out there, popped up above the clouds, and I'm like, oh, wow. I don't know if this does anything for anybody else or if it's just particularly me, but I'm like, oh, that's impressive, and I just can't stop looking at it, so I'm kind of doing this, you know, and there it goes, and I'm like, I'm just barely now, I'm, I'm leaning, you know, I can barely see it going out, and I'm like, wow. And then I come back and Mount St. Helens is right there. And I'm like, ooh, this is too good to be true. This is like, 
this is, this is a gift, you know, and there's half of it, you know, like it's blown off if you're old enough to remember that, and it still looks pretty incredible, and I've never, I haven't been there since that happened, and so I'm like, I'm loving that, and I'm like, so that, that's about another 20-minute event, you know, because it's off in the distance, and then as soon as we get past that, Mount Rainier is up there. Well, come on. There is nothing more majestic on planet Earth than Mount Rainier. And I've seen a lot of the mountains. And I hadn't seen them all yet, so there's probably a couple that are going to contend. But Mount Rainier, is, it's, it's in a league of its own. And it's just it's clear above that low. The clouds look like they're about 4,000 feet. So most of all Rainier, you know, it doesn't really start. It's a promenade really starts about 5,500 feet. So it's just coming up beautiful. And I'm like... And so I'm telling Brad, you're not going to believe this, man, Mount Hood. And I'll give him a peek, you know, like, look. And then I'm like right back in the window, you know. <laughs> Did you see it? Awesome. And, you know, and then here's St. Helens. Look, quick. And then I'm right back. And I'm a hog in the window as much as possible. And then Rainier comes. I don't even let him look. I'm like, Rainier's in the window, bro. Rainier is in the window. I'm not letting you see it, but it's in the window. Meanwhile, the flight attendant is going up and down the row. She's offering a choice of beverages. And uh, ate peanuts in a little tinfoil wrapper. <laughs> the guys behind me are in the um, telecommunications business. And they are prepping for their business meeting. And they're talking so loud, you can hear them over the drone of huge engines that are flying a plane full of people. They're talking that loud. You know that guy on the plane that you just want to go, hello, this is not your office, bro. This is like a community space, if you don't mind. And they're talking. And people are getting up and going to the bathroom. And stuff's happening. The cart's coming up and down the aisles. And I, I'm not kidding you. You can ask Brad afterwards. I, you know, I, I have a tendency to not remember everything perfect. Ask him how much of this really happened. I'm pretty sure it all happened. I'm not looking. I, don't, I got a paper. I don't care. I got an iPad. Couldn't care less. I got hood. St. Helens and Rainier in view. I don't want peanuts or pretzels or a Sprite or Fresca. I don't need any water with or without ice. I don't need to hear these guys talking about their PowerPoint. I don't need to go to the bathroom. I don't need to do anything because I got about 59 minutes worth of majesty going on out the window. And I can't stop looking at it. I just had one fleeting thought at one point. I did want to jump up, and I didn't, and grab the microphone. <laughs> I did, really. And just give it a, hi, this is Louie. I'm not the flight attendant, but I'm up here in uh, 1D. And I'm not sure if you peeps have noticed this or not, but there is like literal awe and wonder going on off the right side of the airplane right now. I don't know what you're getting on the left side because I can't see over there, but over here, we got majesty, people. We got the volcanic, you know, domino effect going on over here, just one right after the other, and it's a beautiful, clear day, which I'm sure you don't get every day in Oregon. So I'd suggest everybody maybe like pipe down for a while and get into the window because something out there will move your soul. I want to thank you very much, you know, and put the thing back up. That's kind of what I want to do. And we land, and I'm, I'm blown away. I, the rest of the day, I'm just talking about it. I'm still talking about it. It was an awesome flight. I loved that Air Canada flight. I loved everything about it. I'm so glad Delta messed us up. I'm so glad we got on that plane. It was worth it. And that's what I'm talking about. See, it's, it's, like, it's like at some point, you have to see something out the window that blows your mind. At some point, you got to get a glimpse that God is not 
five foot 11, that God isn't 170 pounds, that God doesn't think like me, act like me, talk like me. He's not like on my plane, on my level. He's not in my league. He's other, different, set apart, holy, majestic, awesome in power, unlike anything we've ever seen, unrivaled in his glory. He's majestic. He defines the word majestic. And if you've seen him, if you've seen out the window, even for a little short flight, maybe it's just a little hopscotch from Portland to Vancouver, but if you've seen him out the window, when you come back from the window, you can bring some of that with you back down into Monday. A little glimpse of God goes a really long way. And it changes the heart and it humbles you and me. When we talk about humility, we're not talking about, you know, people who slink back into the, you know, into the darkness. We're not talking about Casper milk toast here. We're not talking about, oh, look, he's so humble. He never speaks up. You never even know he's there. He's so quiet as if he's not even with us. He just somehow blends back into the fabric of the world. He's just, he's just so soft-spoken. That's not humility. Proud, pride can be loud, but pr- pride can also be very soft. It's not about volume here. Humility is a culture of the heart, and it produces honor, which is also a culture of the heart, and they emanate from within. And, and when humility is within us, it doesn't make us pipe down and go, oh, you know, I just, oh, 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 I just, oh please don't shine that light on me. I just want to be humble. Let me just get over here. Oh, I just want to be humble. So no, please don't, no, don't shine the light. I don't want to, oh, I just don't want anybody to see me. No, Jesus was the most humble person in eternity, right? And guess where he's standing right now? In the center of the throne of God. And he did the greatest thing that's ever been done on earth. So don't think that just because you're humble, you can't go do something great. I just want to put that in because last week I didn't want anybody to walk away and go, oh, I've got to be humble. So you can go back to your business and go, you know what? No, you take the deal, bro. No, you, you go ahead and get the promotion. No, I want, no, I'm just humble. I'm just trying to be humble. I don't, I don't really want to do well today in my job. I really don't. I want you to do well in your job. I, I, you know, if you're in sports, I really don't want to win. I don't really want to beat the ever living daylights out of you today. No, I don't. I, you go ahead and you go ahead and win. No, if you're in sports, man, you can be humble as can be and just trounce your opposition. I mean, trounce them. I mean, just blow them off the field. Blow them off the court. Blow them out of the water. You don't have to be, you know, weak and meek. It's about an attitude that says, I've seen someone greater, and I know where my life and value and power comes from. And so I can go do something great. I can go do something because I have a heart that knows where the mighty hand of God is the hand that's holding me together. Just another example, that's Moses. Um, You don't need to turn to this verse, but it's a pretty interesting verse. I just want to catch you up on a couple of places in this because Moses apparently uh, was a pretty humble dude. Have you ever read this verse before? This is Numbers 12. It says in verse 3, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. So we know Jesus is the most humble person in time and eternity, but apparently Moses has like gotten the prize for being the most humble guy on earth. So you can give up on that. That's already been done. You might can get to two, but you're not going to get the most humble guy on the face of the earth because Moses got that. 
Now think about that. Moses didn't blend into the background. I mean, he wanted to, but God said, no, you're not going to blend in. He stuttered and was un- uncomfortable with himself and didn't have a lot of confidence and he'd messed up royally in life and was kind of on the backside of life out in the middle of nowhere and God found him out there. And look what God did to him. He said, Moses, Moses, check it out, man. And Moses looked and the bush was on fire, right? So Moses came near to see what this thing was and when he did, the bush started talking to him. God spoke to him and he said, what? Take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. And Moses said, yes, I am. And yes, I'll do that now. He glimpsed. God and he heard the glory and he took his sandals off because he was he knew right then and there humble so that's where he started low humble in awe looking at the bush hearing the voice he's hearing the voice but what happened to Moses Well, instantly he got repurposed, got committed a felony, okay, we give him manslaughter, killed a guy, and God repurposed him and said, hey, I'm going to put you in a significant role in the story. God empowered him to do things he couldn't do by himself. God put him in what would be arguably the greatest story in the Bible. I mean, take away Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, but otherwise, I mean, you're going to put the parting of the Red Sea right up there with all the stories. Moses, they made a movie about him. You know who he is. People on the streets know who he is. We can go out of church tonight, stop anybody out there and say, hey, have you ever heard of Moses? And they'll go, "Uh uh-huh. Ten Commandments, dude. Heard of him. He's famous. But he was the most humble guy that lived on the face of the earth. God called him up for a a one-on-one, face-to-face encounter. That's amazing. He he was possibly responsible for one of the first worship songs that ever was played. It was all because of Pharaoh. I mean, uh, Moses. Chris used to lead it. Uh, When when I met him, he was leading it. And we're going to do it here one of these nights at uh, Passion City Church. Pharaoh, Pharaoh. Because the new young generation doesn't know this song. But Moses is responsible for this song. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, the people go, yeah, 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 yeah. Can we just try that one more time? Because the look on our students' faces is going to be worth it. So can the adults just give me that one more time? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh, I like that moment because all of the people 16 and under and 17 and under, they're going, <laughs> what just happened? So mom, dad, when they're throwing some hot band around the house, just break that out and say, yeah, but you don't know this one, man. This is, uh, this is where it all started. So Moses did all that stuff, saw God face to face, brought down the Ten Commandments, God's law on tablets of stone. Led people on an unbelievable journey. Yes, did mess up so that he didn't get to step over into the promised land. So big bad ending. He didn't really get exalted after all, right? I'm thinking humility and honor. They all fit in this same small space. But check it out. In the New Testament, 
Jesus takes his three closest followers up to a high mountain. And once they're on the mountain, Jesus appears in glory standing on the mountain with two other guys standing with him in the promised land. They're on the top of a mountain, transfigured in glory. They see him. These three followers are freaking out because they're getting a glimpse of the risen, glorious Son of God. And standing on, his, on, on one side of him is Elijah, right? And standing on the other side of him is who? Does anybody know who's standing on the other side of him? Moses is standing on the other side. So they might have put his bones back on the other side of the Jordan. They might have buried him on the other side of the Jordan. But Jesus brought him with him across the Jordan into the promised land onto a high mountain and showed him standing with him to the close followers. Say, And Jesus' bigger point was, hey, you got the law, you got the prophets, you got Moses, you got Elijah, and then you got me. And I'm the sum total of all that, bringing everything God ever said and promised to all the people of the world. That's who I am. But check it out. I'm standing here and I got Elijah with me and I got Moses with me. Moses, the man who stepped on the holy ground and humbled himself is now standing with me on the Mount of Transfiguration. Humility and honor are always in the same space. And we all want honor. All of us want it. On whatever level you define it, we want recognition, we want significance, we want esteem, we want somebody to see us, to notice us, to value us, to turn their attention to us. All of us want honor. And I'm telling you, the way into honor is through humility. Jesus said in three places, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. I mean, the exact words, Luke 4, 11, Matthew 23, 12, Luke 18, 14, three different circumstances, three different stories, three different deals. And Jesus said, hey, make sure you get this. Whoever among you tries to put himself up, like that one time at the dinner, he said, if you come in and think, oh, I'm, I'm cool and I'm going to kind of take the good seat, don't do that. Because you do not want to be the guy who takes the good seat and then the other guy comes in and the host says, excuse me, do you mind moving because so-and-so's here. And you're like, oh, yeah. And by then there are no good seats left. It's just the last seat left then. And there you go down to the end of the tables. He said, don't do that. Whoever exalts himself is going to get humbled at some point, but whoever humbles himself is going to be exalted. That means whoever humbles himself is going to get honor. So if you want honor, it starts in humility. And at the end of the day, that honor is born in honor. We talked about this passage. I'll I'll just share these verses with you. Uh, Philippians 2, we've read them hundreds of times. But right in the text here, here it is together. Verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. That was last week. Taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. Here comes the phrase, he humbled himself. And became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And look at the very next verse. (laughs) Have you ever noticed this before? Everywhere you go in Scripture, it happens like this. For me, it's just a whole new revelation. So stuff like this hits me, and then I kind of freak out for a while. So forgive me, but I'm kind of in the freak out phase right now. I just love it because I've been reading this text since I was a kid. I've been loving this text and memorizing this text since I was in high school. And here I am at this whole other season of life. And I'm like, hello, uh, verse... uh, 
8, he humbled himself. Verse 9, one verse later. Not a paragraph, not a day, not a week, not a whole chapter. One verse later. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place. Honor and humility are the doorpost into the presence of God. They are the currency of the kingdom, the posture of the people of God. And they're always interrelated that when we humble ourselves, guess what? Honor's coming. So if you want honor, you don't strive up for honor. You just step down like Jesus did into servanthood. And when you step down like Jesus did into servanthood, you're, on the, you're in the preamble to greatness right then and there. Because you're now in the plan of God. And his plan is to exalt those who are humble. And he first did it in living color in the life of his son, who when he humbled himself and became obedient to death, right then and there, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every single name. And so here's the problem. Why this isn't happening in culture and why it's not happening in the church is because our world's broken. And there are a lot of people in the house tonight who've never been honored in your whole life. Not the kind of honor that our souls long for. The people in the house tonight who've never been valued or esteemed by the people that you long to be valued and esteemed by. You've never been told how precious you are. You've never had somebody shower over you just a torrent of unconditional love. And you've never been recognized. And when that happens in our hearts, it, it, it just breaks already broken hearts. And so we have a whole generation on this planet right now. And, and frankly, they're not honoring anybody. They're not maybe sure why. They just know, I'm not respecting you. I'm not respecting you. I'm not going to honor you. I'm not going to submit myself to you. I'm not going to humble myself before you. I'm not giving any respect to anybody. And you know what's inside all that? It's just a big hole that wanted so bad to be honored and respected and recognized and humbled before and served. And parents are leaving that in their wake. Families are crashing and rage is flying. Words are spoken that you can take them back at the end of a conversation and say, okay, I take that back, but you just can't reach back inside somebody's soul and grab those words out. They just go in like arrows and they just start stabbing in. And enough of those arrows, man, the heart just dies inside. And when it does, it either shrivels up or it just rages out. And I have a message tonight in this house, because this is the house of God, this house is. This house is the house that Jesus is building. And I have a message for all of us tonight in this house, that maybe it's true on some level that no one has ever stood up for you in your whole life on earth. 
But I want you to know this tonight. I want you to know that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stood up for you. He honored you by stepping down into humility and by standing up to step in your place. We had two options tonight. One was to build a throne of God, which I knew we couldn't do. It would look cheesy. I mean, we might have could have built a 20-foot one in here, and it still would have looked cheesy. And it would have cost a lot of money, and we're trying to renovate a building. So we really don't have money to build a 20-foot throne so that you could go, wow, that's not a throne. So, and I don't say this of any irreverence, you know that, but we went a little shabby chic if we could, um, and we got that. So I just want you to try to put that out of your mind momentarily, and I want you to put the throne of glory in your mind, and I want you to know that Jesus, for all of eternity, sat on this throne for all of eternity that one we read about tonight he should sit on it because he's the Lord of all ruler of everything but when the time came and his father said we have to make a way have to make a way Or they're, they're lost. We lose them forever. We lose her forever if we don't make a way. And Jesus, you're the only way. And he is rightfully and forever sitting on the throne of all rule power, authority, and might. And for his father, and for you. He stood up. has ever stood for you but Jesus has and if you ever wanted to be respected and valued and prized I think that pretty much says it all right there kept standing stood on this planet 33 years when they came to arrest him he was kneeling and praying with his disciples and he was saying Lord if there's any way if there's any way to let this cup pass for me and not lose them all please do it now and 
he said, but whatever your will is, that's what I want to do, not my will. Humility. And then he heard him coming through the garden. And Judas had tipped him off. And when he heard him coming, he stood up. And he said to them, who are you looking for? Here I am. He stood up. Walked to Calvary. Laid down his life on a cross of beams, humility stretching across, and honor facing up to God. And they nailed him there. And in the middle of the day, in the middle of the heat, on the crossroads of town, he stood for you. standing on a little spike that's all he had to stand on was just a little spike it was pressed through his feet that's all he had to stand on that day and he stood on it until he couldn't stand on it anymore and it's interesting to me that when Jesus died you know how he died he didn't just mysteriously pass away. He suffocated. That's how he died. That's how a doctor will tell you that he died. Because he couldn't stand on that nail anymore. And eventually he just gave out. And he couldn't push up to catch another breath. He honored you and he honored his father and in a heartbeat all kind of craziness broke out <laughs> and the darkness rejoiced and the father said yeah you go ahead and celebrate right now because there's coming a morning when all of y'all are going to shut up and the light's going to shine out of the pit and so go ahead and have your party now. Rejoice over my son now. Rejoice over this death today because there's a morning coming soon when a whole new kingdom's going to be born and the firstborn is coming back to life from among the dead and he's going to lead a whole army of his brothers and sisters into life that can't be extinguished and can't be put out. And the motion was set and the wheels were turning and in the right moment God called his son up out of the grave and up out of death and up out of the grips of darkness and said, rise up son of the living God and when he did he exalted him in a heartbeat to the highest place in time and eternity and put on him the highest name that's above every single name that Jesus name is the name to which every knee humbles itself and every tongue confesses this Jesus is in fact Lord he is in fact Lord all to the glory of the Father and check it out I'll close with this and it says about our salvation. I hope you get salvation because salvation isn't I came down one Sunday and prayed a prayer with a deacon Bob and filled out a card on a clipboard and then they baptized me that night and I know I'm going to heaven. Well, that's how you know you're going to heaven. I'm not really sure I'd be banking on that today because you don't even know where that card is. <laughs> Nervous laughter. You're like, I didn't fill out a card. Even worse. 
Salvation is seeing Jesus and knowing in an instant that he is the way to have peace with God. That his life and his death, his offering satisfied everything that we had done wrong in our lives and allowed God to breathe forgiveness, mercy, hope, and life on us forever. In Ephesians 2, I love the way it says it. When we were dead in our sins, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive together with Jesus. And are you ready for this? And then told us, when you die, you will go to heaven. You're like, what translation are you reading out of? The uh, normal American Christian translation? No, he said he made us alive, God did with Christ. He made us alive with Christ. And are you ready for this? And seated us with him in the heavenly places. So the greatest act of humility for a human being is to bow down before the mighty hand of God and say, have mercy on me, God. Thank you, Jesus. Have mercy on me all my life is yours. All my life is yours, Jesus. Have mercy on me, Son of God. Have mercy on me, Lord. I need you. I I cannot do this on my own. I can't get it on my own. I can't get there by myself. I can't accomplish this in my own strength. I can't be good enough or holy enough or right enough or perfect enough for you. I'm humbling myself and saying, dear God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Jesus. Giver of life, Son of God. And when we do, he says, Alive and in an instant, seated with Christ in the heavenly places, that in the ages to come we might be to the praise of His glory. For it is by grace that you're saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only did he stand up for you, but if you put your faith in Christ, you're seated with him right now. So I'm asking you, how much more honor do you need? (laughs) I mean, how, how much more honor do you need? Christ stood up for you. And when you put faith in him, he seats you with him on a heavenly throne. And that's about all the honor you can get. And when you see it, guess what it does? It sends you back around that cycle of humility to say, oh my, wow. (laughs) Which leads us back into honor, which leads us back into humility, and it changes our culture. I mean, some of you wouldn't even get up at work when your boss walks in the room in the morning. You're just sitting in your cubicle going, morning. That's just a lack of honor. You're like, well, you don't know my boss. He's a jerk. Well, so were you when Christ stood up off of that throne. And some of us still are. 
And so we say to our kids, hey, when you meet people, I want you to go over there. I want you to do what? I want you to two things. Look them in the eye. And if you're old enough, I want you to shake, your, shake them hand, shake their hand. I want you to look at them. I want you to say, hello, sir or ma'am. What are you trying to tell your kids? I want you to learn how to honor people. But what are your kids learning from you? What are they learning from me? Are they learning that from us? Is that what we're about? Or are we a culture that's tearing people down because we haven't felt a sense of honor, that's trying to keep everybody in their place because we want to make sure nobody gets anything that we've got? Or are we a people who said, man, I've been honored by God. I've been stood up for by Christ. I'm sitting on a heavenly throne right now. Tear down the lies and tear apart all the stuff the enemy's bringing against me. I am a loved son, a loved daughter of a king of kings who's valuing me today above any honor that the earth can give me. Therefore, I can give honor. I can give honor. I, I'm walking in honor in the people around me. And when we do that, we're going to be a church. You cannot keep people away from that kind of church because we're living in a generation of people who just want somebody to look at them and go, I respect you and I value you and I want to give you significance because I found that in two beams, one that said humility and one that said honor and on them hung the lamb who looked like he had been slain from before the foundation of the world. Jesus, I just thank you tonight that that's our story, that that is our story tonight. It's not a story of striving or trying or working or earning, but our story is a story of a wonderful Jesus, Son of God, who loved you and loved us so much that he left it all. And I just ask by the power of your Holy Spirit that that would settle on everybody in the house tonight. And that that would cover us now as we come to celebrate what you've done for us, Jesus. And giving your body and your blood for each one of us.